Welcome to this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast, The Wire Remix Season 1, Episode 8, Lessons. Uh, of course, uh, always, um, as always, excuse me, I'm joined by one Robert Sapp. How you doing, Mr. Sapp? You doing well. Good, good. Happy Sunday to everybody out there. Hope everybody out there is being safe, enjoying this weather. Over the past couple of days, we're not enjoying it too much. Like they are in Atlanta, but that's a whole nother story. Um, <laughs> this episode <clears throat> was titled Lessons. It was directed by Gloria Museo. Museo, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, ranked by Vulture 49 on the all time list of Wire episodes. Not as high as I thought it would be, considering how this was a big, this was a big episode, to say the least. Um, the epigraph. You come come at the king, you best not miss Omar Little. Um, opening scene, you have McNulty with his son in a market uh, playing the game front and follow with Stringer Bell. So if you're in law enforcement and you're listening to this podcast, please don't play front and follow. Use your kids as means to try to catch a criminal. This, this, this don't do it. I, like this, this, and this was this, this was an episode. This was not one of McNulty's best episodes, to say the least, in terms of some of just some of the, the moves, the decisions that he was making, and the moves that he was making. And it began with this, where he takes his sons and uses them to follow Stringer in a market. Um, yes, he of course gets Stringer's license plate tag. His older son got it, but in typical McNulty fashion, he can't find the kids. So <laughs> he gets the tag, loses the kids uh, at, at the same time. Um, what were your thoughts on this opening, uh, opening scene to this episode? Yeah, good opening. Fun. You know, I, I've, I've said... I've said a lot on McNulty. He's not going to win any Father of the Year awards uh, on this one. Um, but I think, like, what the thing that I like about, like, this episode of The Wire, and probably why it's ranked number 49 or lower on the end, is it's not so much set up. The Wire is always setting, setting things up. You can see threads that are happening now that's going to jump off in season three. So they're, they're already 10 moves ahead of where everybody else is at at this point in time. But I, I, I like the authenticity of uh, of building a case. And sometimes the things you think are going to go somewhere don't actually really lead you to anything. And sometimes they lead you to a place where you don't expect, but then lead you somewhere else. And so he's doing all of the front and follow to get Stringer Bell to get his tags, to get information on him. And that information that he gets ultimately doesn't lead anywhere. But just speaking about the opening, it's, it's, it's setting all of that up in a very fun way. Very uh, interesting way. Different. Uh, no question about it. Um, we move on to the detail. They realize that the bark sales are on to them by with the, if you remember, the Barksdales pulled out Stringer, or Avon had had them pull out the, uh, the, the two pay phones. So 
now the detail knows that they have the, the Barksdale's attention in terms of them trying to uh, switch up things. Uh, you see during that uh, same scene, um, you have Herc and Carver discussing the sergeant's, sergeant's exam as well. And then they're asked by uh, Presbyluski to, uh, you know, if they can go take pictures on the rooftops. They, of course, make fun of him, uh, him being in-house because he shot off his gun in that first, uh, not first episode, but the first couple of episodes, I think it was episode two. It might have been episode one where he shot off his gun. So they kind of chide him about that. And, you know, just a continual theme of them not feeling like they are uh, respected. But go back to when the Barksdales, not the Barksdales, when the detail is, uh, figures out that the Barksdales are, are basically completely on to them. Uh, talk about that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think we, we, we saw that last episode when the wire went down suddenly and like how Freeman reacted. Um, you know, like he, he there, he's, he's able to deduce pretty accurately that, um, that uh, they switched up because they made they made a move, um, and he says that when he's talking to Kim, he's talking to Kima. Maybe he's talking to the group. I can't remember. Um, where he's like, you know, one one phone ain't no thing, but both phones going off at the exact same time. That means uh, that they're switching up, and that that he says that shows how careful they are any move we make is going to elicit a reaction um so in a sense he's saying you know this you gotta be we gotta be very careful with the moves which is going to hint at um what's going to happen later with uh daniels and um and burrell so you have webay stinkum and savino they break into omar's place or one of his places um, look at, you know, make fun of the pictures that they look at some pictures of him and Brandon. They laugh at that. They could try to go through. They try. They basically toss his place, you know, just tear his place up. And then they proceed to set his, uh, the white van on fire. So you have, again, Weebay, Stinkum, and Sabino. Um, Omar is watching this the whole time along with the, uh, the, the, the girl who, you know, who's one of the drug addicts with, with her baby. He's holding the baby. He's, um, well, she was holding the baby and, um, no, he was holding the baby and she was doing drugs. And he asked her, she asked him if he wanted uh, a part, you know, one some hands on the drugs. Of course, he refuses. Uh, but I guess the old part of this scene is the fact they, he, he, like, it, it, it seemed like he was waiting for them. Like, he's ahead of, I guess, that showing him, them, the scene showing him watching them just shows how, how ahead of them that he is like he can see their moves coming in a sense and he's not being he's not going to be taken back taken for surprise and that of course will foreshadow one of the big bigger scenes in this episode what are your thoughts on uh what were your thoughts on this scene yeah this is a really good scene um it continues to point at you know the the great sin of the boxdale organization was killing brandon the way that they did just that that would be the original sin here. That that leads to all parts of their downfall. Uh, probably the single biggest thing that happened um, beyond the wire. I would probably argue even bigger than the wire. Um, so uh, it kind of answers the question 
that I that that I remember having initially, and then um, watching again um, reminded me of, the, of just kind of like my thoughts on it at first. It's like that it was probably like three or four episodes ago where homegirl comes up to him and he's with Brandon and the other dude, and she's she doesn't have any money and um and she wants she wants some drugs and omar gives it to her after after he stole the barksdale package um and i think it was brandon he asked why did you do that and there's there's not really a clear answer at that point in time um in that moment it kind of looked like charity that was going on maybe felt bad for her but this reveals what it really is right like in order for omar to be so deep in a part of the game he has to have allies every which way that he can get them right and so um and so you know he knows he's gonna have to duck in different places at different times for whatever reasons he's, he's robbing drug dealers i mean it's just it's just that's just the life he's gonna have to live um and so i like that it kind of answered that question without saying we're answering this question um, and then, like you said, it, it sets up what happens later in the episode, which when it happens, it always surprises me. I always forget that that happened. <laughs> always surprises me. I'm like, that's, that's right. Yeah. yeah. That's He's, right. Yeah. So to your, to your point about Omar and, and, ally, and his allies, Omar at this point is by himself in terms of they've killed both Brandon and they killed Bailey. So he's, he's at, at this point in terms of being on the street, he's solo. But he has a foundation in terms of the, in terms of knowing what's going on on the street and in terms of being able to be in these different places. He has that foundation. He, he does have that foundation because I'm like, I'm thinking, I'm watching the scene, watching the scene again. I'm like, he's one, this is one man. He's one like this is this is a this dude is one man, but it seems like in certain parts of town that he can he can he can go wherever he basically he wants to in certain parts and be able to like dip and move and be inconspicuous without you know without being found or without you know or, or, or move freely and like to, and to your point out to and to your point giving her those drugs and, and I'm sure he takes I'm sure he takes care of multiple neighborhoods as far as drugs and things of that nature so he. He's, he, in a, I mean, Omar's, a, in a way, a, that's his way of being like a, a politician. That's like he, he's, he's doing, and I'm, I'm not going to give anything away, but he's kind of like, that's, that's his Clay Davis way. He's doing Clay Davis from that standpoint, in terms of how he's dealing, how he's taking care of people. Hey, uh, what, what I'll also say is like way back in episode two or three, I believe when um when Weebay is picking up uh uh Stringer, not Stringer, um Avon and he goes, you know, I feel like we're going way past careful. Um that this kind of shows you like the match in the wish between Avon and um and Omar. Uh, both of them go way past careful. And they have to go way past careful. And that's how they got into the positions that they're in in the best at what they do in this particular series at this particular time. Um, because they go way past careful. They're always thinking about how someone's going to come come at them. Um, and as we can see from a lot of different characters on this show, 
a lot of different characters don't think that way. A lot of people don't think that way, but they're showing it in the show that they don't think that way. They're not thinking about all the different angles. Um, that's essentially what, what that means. Um, I should have been an epigraph in one of the episodes. They passed careful. <laughs> Sat wants to re- rewrite the show now. <laughs> that that would have been that would have been a good one. That could have made it way past careful. Um, Weebay, no, we already got that. McNulty Bunk discuss uh, Stringer, and of course, he McNulty tells Stringer not tell Stringer, he tells Bunk about the story with his sons, um, and it turned and, and also we we find out that that turned out that car that Stringer uh, was in, they got the, that, that McNulty got the plate number turn. We found out that that turns out not to be his car. He tells, uh, McNulty tells Bunk that he is using it uh, as, lend, not lending it, but uses it under somebody else's name. So again, enough, another example of how careful the Barksdale people are and Stringer is from that standpoint. Um, so that was that that was that that particular scene. Any thoughts on that on uh, that conversation with Bunk? Nah, that's pretty straightforward. Yeah. Um, Wallace and the young boy. Um, so Wallace is assisting one of his uh, younger kids that he takes care of with a math problem. Um, he the kid is stumbled by the math problem. Uh, is clearly stumbled by the math problem. But Wallace is, Wallace uses what he knows about the streets. And then it makes perfect sense to the kid saying, and the kid basically says, how, Wallace says, you know, basically, how the fuck do you know you can figure that out and not figure out and know about the count and not know this math problem? I mean, the kid, the kid says, if you fuck up the count, if you mess up the count, you get fucked up. Um, Poot, he also talks about, um, while Poot also checks in on Wallace, uh, Wallace, again, is still in, he's still suffering from PTSD basically from that branding killing. There's no question that he's been using. He's been sleeping in his bed. Poop tells him that he can't carry the excuse of him being sick with D'Angelo for much longer. And Wallace just, you know, Wallace asked Poop for $10 and then uh, basically says, basically to ask Poop to keep, you know, uh, making up excuses for him. Uh, what were your thoughts on this scene? Yeah, this, <laughs> This one wasn't as eloquent as like I got the point. So I'm thinking about the conversation he has with the with the boy um, about about the math problem. And so this one isn't as eloquent as the as the chess scene, for example. But um, they're they're making the same type of comparison, right? Like um, you know, like the 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 knowledge of uh, what they do is is linked to who they are, and also um, that's kind of like how how they're defined by themselves. That that's how they define themselves, right? And there's also like a a little bit of a deeper meaning. I mean, this is a thing that runs throughout the whole the whole series, so um, it's something to pay attention to. It's how uh, it's how how and why the drug game exists in um, Baltimore. And I would argue he's talking about why it exists in this country. Um, but uh, and, and how, how it is linked to everything that everybody does. Um, so 
that's that's one part of it and then um the second part of it is just like this is the beginning of the end for Wallace um and the fact that Poot has to tell uh or feels compelled to tell um uh D'Angelo shows that that it's getting way past like what people will be able to to cover up and so it's going to go from poo um, anyway so so you this is this is where you could be like all right this is this is about to be this is this is the beginning and the end for Wallace uh no question about it um you also see you know it, I was, it's a sad scene from the standpoint of clearly this young dude this young kid is not dumb he's just like he, he has no parents <laughs> this kid has no parents so if you you wonder about i think it also shows an element of you wonder what this kid could do if he um put the effort into you know put all the effort into school yeah i mean like that's what i that's what i mean like it's th this isn't as eloquent as the chess no, game no it's, it's not it's no. meant it's meant to run that it's meant to run that same type of mentality so it's not like what can this individual kid do in school it's what would happen to this community and communities like that if drugs wasn't ravaging it right like where would he be able he could only put his energy into the drug game because that's what is in front of him that's what exists that's what that's what is around him so uh, uh for that particular kid in this particular scene that is everything. It makes very, very clear, logical sense to him. If I get that wrong, I get beat up. If I get this wrong in school, who cares? I mean, like, you know, I just get it wrong. So that's a very literal meaning, but in a much deeper level, it is, um, it is uh, without this game, then I don't eat. You know, who knows where the kids parents so quote unquote whatever is we assume because of the situation that or i assume because of the situation they they are long gone because Wallace is taken away from it for a variety of reasons we can probably assume it's ravages of the drug game so it's a commentary on drugs in america and how devastating it is and it links up with the whole clay davis and his driver thing as well and who gets rich off of drugs and who suffers off of it it's an entire i mean like I said, this is this is a running theme throughout the entire wire. So it's a commentary on it, absolutely. Um, it's just very, it's just a very on the nose commentary. So you have the detail um, hearing a call that uh, Stringer, hearing Stringer being on the phone with Little Man. Um, then you have, yes, you have him. You have the detail being hearing that call. Hearing, uh, hearing that call, some loose talk on Stringer, um, some kind of, kind of loose talk by Stringer on the phone. What were your thoughts on on that conversation? No, I mean, but not yeah. loose. Talk. They were, they were, no, they were, they were speaking in code, wasn't? It? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, like the I, the scene is set up to show you that um, you know the the detail is on it, or at least what with Freeman being there that the, the detail is on it. So yeah. um what came yeah. out go ahead. So what came out is 
what came out of this conversation was the fact that they were they got hip to um the money that that the uh the dude that uh damian price was yeah. going that's that was the key part of this scene yeah. that they, that's, they, they, that's that they were hip to that that this uh so they were re they were ready for him once that once that came about so that was that was they were able to deduce the codes or whatever in terms of what string was yeah. talking about um so that that was the that that was what you take out of that scene from that standpoint. Yeah, and the fact that they did like this is something that in a different world would be lauded. Like, wow, look at what you guys did. But as we're going to see, it's not lauded at all. It's not celebrated at all. D'Angelo and Pooh discussing Wallace. Um, D'Angelo, I think at this point knows that he has has to do something. He's thinking about what to do. Um, but Pooh tells him about Wallace. And then um, you know, D'Angelo doesn't give D'Angelo kept Poot at bay in terms of what he was thinking. They kept him, you know, like, okay, I'll take care of it. Uh so he didn't give Poot a lot of insight in terms of what he was thinking. But D'Angelo at this point knows that he that he needs to get to Wallace. What were your thoughts on that uh, on that short conversation? Um, I had a little bit of a different take. I I I think, as we'll see at the end of the episode, D'Angelo has a lot going on in his mind. He he's not actually really thinking about Wallace. If Poot doesn't bring it up, he's not thinking about Wallace at all. It's the fact that Poot has to bring it up, and then no, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. On the forefront, yeah, yeah, yeah. put that's it on the forefront of D'Angelo's mind. And the reason why that's a big thing is, is remember when we were talking about um, Orlando last week, and we're going to see the ramifications of that. D'Angelo's not a, also, he's not somebody who's way past careful. He doesn't, he's not thinking about all these moves in the head. He drops that. Anyways, we'll, we'll get to that. But it comes to the forefront of D'Angelo's mind, which means D'Angelo's going to say something. And D'Angelo going to say something because he's so connected to Avon he's going to say something and that's that something even though he doesn't intend it to go the entire way that it's going to go it's going to go that way because of the people he's connected to um and so that's why this is the downfall of Wallace because it comes to the attention of D'Angelo who's going to unintentionally set some things off just by the nature of who he is. So you have uh, Signer and Herc on the rooftop taking picture of taking pictures of Damian Price, who of course is Clay Davis' driver, the, the guy that we saw in the previous episode talking to uh, Daniels at that party. Um, he's receiving money. He was receiving money coming out of the pit, out of the, out of the pit, or out of the high rises, out of the towers, and. They uh Herc and uh well Signer uh Signer let Kima know. Kima and them, of course, everybody well, they were on it. Um and again to uh to your earlier point, this be this begins the money trail. And again, this is Damien Price. This is Damien, this is a driver, Clay Davis' driver, with a trash bag full of money driving out of the pit. Um, what were your thoughts on this? Yeah, this is this is it. This is this is another uh, thesis statement of the show. This this is it. I mean, they 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 lay it out very clearly later on in this this episode. 
But, um, you know, this is something that they're going to have to fight the entire series. They're going to have to fight this the entire series. And this is going to continuously be the roadblock in a lot of investigations. Um, but essentially, in this scene, it, because it was so well set up with, we, we talked about it at length, with Daniels and, um, and, uh, and oh boy, in and day day yeah 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 ashley larry um yeah like that was set up it's 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 it is the the politics of all of this and politics is linked to money is the thing that is going to be the the biggest rival way 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 beyond drugs um to 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 um or way beyond any drug dealer, drug kingpin, whatever, um, is going to be the thing that that stonewalls and blocks and crushes um, their various investigations. And so, in this scene, we're just getting to the beginning of it. It's like, oh, there's there's Ashley Larry. He's coming out of pit with money. He should be in trouble, but we'll we'll see. We'll we'll, we'll see very soon. You had D'Angelo, Weebe, Savino, Stinko. Um, discussing uh, at this at a food place, um, discussing Stinkum's party. Now you remember that we, you know, if you remember a couple back, a couple episodes back, Stinkum gets promoted to finding that new territory. They have to uh, take out. They have to, uh, of course, the new territory has this, this you know, this off-brand drug dealer named Scar. So they um, they discuss that. They discussed um, taking over, celebrating, taking over the new territory. Discussed taking out Scar um, during that scene. And, you know, they give D'Angelo some some credit for you know what Weebay does in terms of how he was running the pit in terms of making the money. That part of it, um, D'Angelo tells them about Orlando and this scheme that Orlando has cooked up, and they. Warn, not warn him, but tell him like, like you may, you need to run that past Avon. So D'Angelo, of course, D'Angelo does that, and then they, um, then of course, uh, a little comedy in there with with Weebay eats the corned beef sandwich, not corned beef, the what was he eating? That was bad. radish, yes, radish sandwich. It was a you know, burning him up. I mean, it's the horseradish on horseradish, yeah, yeah, horseradish, yeah, horseradish on bread. Um. But I guess the key part of this scene was the Orlando part of it. What were your thoughts? I mean, there, there's there's a lot of dis- different parts to this to this scene. Um, so when when I was looking at the scene, I'm just like, this is <laughs> this is the Barksdale crew just basically illustrating their downfall. I mean, yeah. like this is this yeah. is it. This is everybody oh, yeah. at that yeah. table plays a very significant part in in how it's going to downfall to what's going to go on later that night. Bad, bad business. Um, to D'Angelo not thinking through what he needs to say and how he needs to say it and why somebody comes to him like this, like just being just being um uh very ignorant of the facts of different things that's going to happen um to the reason as you were talking i was like the reason why that surprise 
the thing with Stinkum always surprises me because I always forget about Stinkum. He is not a memorable character at all. And he's not set up to be a memorable character. This Stinkum <laughs> sets up Omar. He's a, he's a setup for Omar. Um, and so, uh, and so, um, and he's also a setup for D'Angelo. Um, and kind of like shows like the lack of hustle that D'Angelo D'Angelo has and how closely tied to his uncle and how closely tied that success is as well, which is again why why he has to say things to Avon. Um so uh this right here, this is like just like a real chill con like not, not chill conversation, but this is just like a, a quote unquote group outing as they're preparing to celebrate. But you can actually see the instruments of their own destruction being laid out right in that meeting. Yeah. Um, so you have Kima and Carver pulling over Damian Price. They take the money. Um, they take the money uh, from Price. They take the money from Price. Um, then, you know, have then you then they tell uh they tell uh daniels about it so then you have uh kima daniels carver and mcnulty um and price and kima, kima daniels uh carver and mcnulty um in the in the scene as well and daniels tells them hey we're gonna just you know, they tell they tell Daniels what happened that they pulled him over that he had twenty you know twenty thousand dollars of cash coming out of you know the Barksdale Towers. Um, Daniels tells uh, tells them to uh, Daniels tells them to keep the money. And Ryan Murphy's not he wants to he wants to go file it file it if he wants to file a complaint let him file a complaint but keep the money. And there you and there you had it with uh, there you had it with Damian Price so he gets pulled over. They keep the money initially. They keep uh, and they keep the twenty thousand dollars initially. What were your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, like it all it all plays like the other scene. Like the two play very close together because Damien's not released at that point in time or anything like that. So basically, they're strategizing at, at this at this particular point what to do because there's no specific charge because they don't want to completely, completely. They didn't have a charge. Yeah, there's no specific charge. Because this is information coming from the wire, and so like if they charged, then that's all discovery evidence. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so part of the strategy is um, the way we're going to hold on to this money is we'll do the thing, right? And receive, and of course he won't come back for the money because it's drug money. Um, so that, so it's it's initially part of a strategy session on what everyone still at this point in time feels like is the right thing to do um in terms of just like just nuts and bolts the right thing to do uh the bigger sense that i got from this or the general sense that i got from this i should say is that um at this point in time no one has grasped none none of them grasped the the political implications of this daniel sort of kind of gets it at this point in time but even even right now I, I don't feel like he's thinking in that way yeah um 
I think that I, I mean I think that this caught that this took them for a loop, so to speak. I think this caught them off guard that they did not expect to, uh, that this dude was going to be driving out of the court, not out of the court, but out of the Barksdale's area for, with twenty thousand dollars. Yeah, I mean normally they and they I think they mentioned during the scene normally we up we ups go in, and this dude is coming out. So I think like you said they're they're trying they're like let's hold on to this money and see what. What it, what, what it will possibly lead to. Like, is somebody going to make noise? Is well, what, when, Kima, when Kima said that, it was like a tip-off to us that this is going to be something different that was going to happen. And so the way that the thing plays out is, is like this. I mean, like, we don't know. Of course, we know Clay Davis, those of us that have watched the entire series and everything like that. So we know what Clay Davis is about. And so the way that this sets up is um, – the Barksdale, Avon, Stringer um, need to pay off the senator for a variety of different things. This is how they keep beating cases and all the different, this is how this just happens, right? Like in, in organized crime, right? Like you got to have uh, 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 law enforcement at all its various, or the judicial system at all its various levels. You got to have people on the payroll at the very least to tip you off on things. Um, if not outright, get you out of stuff, right? So we need to pay Clay Davis. Um, and so, uh, instead of making anything that is remotely close to them hot, they're getting the money from the pit. So get the $20,000 from the pit, Clay Davis, homeboy that we know, um, or have back channels through, you drive to the pit and then you'll get the $20 to take to Clay Davis for our payoff, right? Like that's, that's kind of the arc of, of how it works. Um, and that's what I mean, like, like to both our points, like, they, they don't get that. They, they're not seeing that at this point in time. They're just seeing some yodel, like uh, Davis, um, Daniel, sorry, goes in and says, hey, the first thing he says, did you get that money by cracking cribs? Like, see, he's not, he's not catching, he didn't catch on quick enough in order to avoid what was going to happen. Daniels is also a by-the-book, by-the-numbers guy. He's not somebody that thinks way ahead either. He doesn't look at all the angles. No, no. That just illustrate this. This scene just kind of like illustrates that. Neither does Kima. Kima's not one. Uh, 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 Freeman's the only one. Yeah, Freeman into a lesser point, lesser into a somewhat lesser point. Uh, McNulty. Nah, McNulty doesn't see beyond this. McNulty is just he has righteous in indignation about he's, things. He, oh he yeah, you're talking about yeah for this specific yeah for this specific thing yeah it is it is Freeman. Specific, uh, yeah, yeah. Freeman sees all the angles. Um, Orlando, Avon, Stringer. So Orlando goes to see Stringer and Avon. Avon basically reprimands him for even thinking about uh, making a, a side deal. And he and Stringer proceed to beat the shit out of Orlando. Says, he says, basically says, all I do is put money in your, in your fucking pocket so you won't stray away from the nest. He says, the last thing I need is, is my clean liquor license dirty the fuck up by you? So he, so okay, so of course, the uh, D'Angelo told, went to Avon and, you know, Avon and Stringer respond. They kicked Orlando out the room, out their room, out their office, and some of the girls even saw the Avon, Avon kicks them outside the office. So some of the girls even uh, saw it, Chardine sees it as well. So she's, she's getting that, they're doing, a, they're doing the makeup. So the girls see it, the girls, other girls don't pay it barely, 
hit barely any mind. Charlene takes note, kind of takes note of it. Um, what were your thoughts? It's interesting how you said Avon and Stringer. Watch that scene again. Avon's doing all the aggressive. Even no, when he but, kicks him, even when he kicks, no, I have a point to be made. Um, even though he's, he's, cause I would have said the same thing um, if I hadn't just watched it, um, just going off my memory. But when I was watching that scene as Avon outside, they throw him outside or Avon throws him outside the office and kicks him or whatever. Stringer's just kind of like in the back going like, is he, it, it made me smile. Cause it's kind of like that, the boy who's like, and that's what you get, but it didn't throw any punches cause his man is handling all of the business. <laughs> um, and this is why, this is why that's important. Um, the opening scene as well. I, w- I wanted to wait here, Ty. wanted to say back to the opening scene. This is actually the beginning of the split between Avon and Stringer, the ideological split, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and so that, was, that was a visual representation of it, right? Like, so first you got the beginning. Um, oh, wait, no, you got the beginning of where they're following, like, like how they're following, how Stringer, I mean, yeah, yeah how Stringer is, in the going into a that that's the beginning part of huh stringers just out shopping that's interesting no but hold on yeah i know we'll get different save, parts save that but, but but save the I, stringer part though save that stringer part yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. so just this is another kind of like another tick in that box of like avon is the aggressor in this entire no, no question it, it looked but to me uh, is no question to me that avon is is muscle and no 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 no. avon's the kingpin avon's the kingpin no avon <laughs> yeah. no no saying so avon is the, the more is definitely the aggressive but no 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 but this is that's why i'm saying you gotta watch like it's setting up the pattern like you no, cannot, no, it's, you no, can't differentiate what's happening with avon right. and stringer in the scene with what happens later on in episode it's all the same pattern so no, avon is meant to be seen ultra aggressive stringer is meant to be seen as super passive yeah, so here, here, here's what I say. When they both step out, Avon kicks them. But it did, it, I, I mean, I, I must have nope. seen this, yep. seen this episode a million, seen this episode yep. how, how many times. I always thought that nope. Stringer got in at least one punch. Nope. But, did but not. to your point, yes, I, I can see, see your, it makes more sense the way you explained it and the way we know how things play out that Avon did all the, the, all the physical aggression and then. Stringer just had a, a mean mug on his face. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> that, was a good, that was a good mean mug. He got me. It was. It was. He looked at me. He did. He looked like he did something. <laughs> he did. Yeah. That was a good mean mug. So, yeah. So, that, no, it makes, yes, it makes all the sense in the world that, to your point, to how things would, would end up going, that Stringer did not throw, not throw their score kick in that um, scene. Um, so we have Kima Carver. Um, no, we got that. We have uh, oh yes, Daniels Burrell Reed and uh, Daniels Burrell and uh, Major Reed. Uh, Burrell tells Daniels uh, to give the money back. You don't have a charge, and basically threatens to shut down the entire investigation. Um, this is at a point to where this is where Daniels is completely just like. Like, what's going on here? Like, basically, what's going on? And that, I mean, have very minimum retort. But this is when the public, this is when the politics takes goes to a whole nother level. And you see how connected 
that this dude, what that Damian Price and this dude was, because Burrell, they, they don't even, they don't even care about the money. Like the money, they they're not. They just they say just give the money back. Do you have a charge? No. Okay. Bam, then cut cut him loose. So now, so this this takes a political thing to a whole another level. Um, they have to, of course, give the money back. And then Dan, the, another big part of this was, of course, uh, Burrell tells, basically tells Daniels to shut down the investigation, wrap it up, despite the fact that they still had time left on the wire. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, no, you, I mean, you, you said it. This, this, is, this is the kind of the, the actual tangible thing uh, or tangible uh, part of the political process, right? I mean, like, you know, like this is one, another one where it's just impossible to separate now from what, what I know because it informs so much. When you're watching this for the first time, it's just like, oh man, that's really messed up. But we know how Mayor Royce operates. We know how Clay Davis operates. We know how, so, so I, we can see exactly how this happened, which is the genius of the show, because they're going to eventually show us in season three how, how this goes down, right? Um, but if we keep it specifically to the characters right, right in the moment, the reaction, the frustration, um, which is kind of like the thesis of it, the frustration is acted out by the various members of the detail, right? Daniels has a particular frustration. Nolte has a particular frustration. Uh, 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 Kima has a particular frustration. So they take on that ownership of, or there's a, a, not ownership, they are the lenses for us, the audience, as to like, nobody knows what's going on because this is way above all their pay grades um, in, in all of us, as we will find out in seasons later, how much above the pay grade this is above them. So right now, all we can just see is the, we see the end result of all the political movements in this scene. And then we see the reaction of the members on the detail and how upset and frustrated and confused they are. Yeah. To your, to, uh, to your point, this, and to the for my audience, this introduces us, introduces us to characters that we haven't even seen yet. That's we, at this point, we don't know yet. So that, that without question that this, that this, uh, this scene, that scene achieved that. So uh, from a political standpoint, um, you have Stinkum and, and comes, you have Stinkum and Weebe and D'Angelo in Orlando at the party. Now, this is a, for the Barksdales who are as disciplined and forward thinking of a organization and, and what have you, this, this party was, everything that Avon would be totally against. This party, you have, you have Orlando's girls at the party, okay? You have Coke at the party. Um, Stinkham was about to roll up a joint. D'Angelo's like, what about the rules? Stinkham was like, special occasion. Um, one of the girls at the party, you know, one of the girls at the party gets sick. And we, and we see what that leads to. She's not sick. No, she, well, yeah. And they this, dr no, they this, drugged this, her. They drugged her. No, they no, no. This team, hold on. We, we'll get they drugged her. They drugged her. We'll, we'll, no, we, we'll get to that. We'll get, we, we're going to have to. No, there's time. no get, like, no, no, they weren't sick. That, that's the point. They're not sick. That's the, the, the overriding. No, yes, the, the, product, 
Yeah. The product, was, the product was, yeah, the product was, was cut. The product was cut. I don't think they, didn't, yeah, the product was cut and it, it was a drugging going wrong. All right. So it, sure. was, it, was, it was a drugging. I don't know about going wrong because them boys didn't care if they lived or died at all. Don't, I'm, this why, don't soft sell this one. This was, this was devious and malicious and all, for all the right, every reason is why Avon wouldn't want any of this to happen. It's just a bunch of crip- niggas being criminals, evil criminals. It's just that simple. Yes. Which is why, which is why they have rules to pre- to prevent them from messing everything up. So they, so they, um, they break every Barksdale rule. Every rule. Every, every rule is everything. And yes, the drugs that they, the, the coke is clearly, it's clearly laced. So that, yeah, that's no question about it. It's, First of all, the product is not great around the city as it was. And then that product that they had, the way they cut it, there's no question that they, there's no question in my mind that they stepped on that product and it was it clearly was laced to your point. Um, and then you have a subtle, something subtle that you might have missed, not you, but if you're an audience member, you watch it, you watch this for the first, first time, there's a head nod between D'Angelo and Orlando. And D'Angelo, they kind of, it was very quick and subtle, but Orlando gave a look like, okay, yep, it was very subtle. And you would see Orlando's, we'll put a bookmark next to that, um, next to that, next to that little, that part of the scene. But um, this was, yeah, this, this was bad for the Barksdale. This, this was, this would lead, this was going to lead to a lot of things that, in, that, ends up uh, help to uh, help take them down or ends up just being, it's good. It, it was a threat. It, this, this was one of the most of this, of this season up until this point, one of the most devastating blows of the bark for the Barksdales in terms of what, what this scene, what this scene would end up lead, uh, leading to. Go ahead. Uh, so I had an interpretation on the, on that look. So um, D'Angelo nods at uh, Orlando, kind of yeah. like, hey, yeah, see, what's up? And yeah. basically the nod back from Orlando was, fuck you. Yes. Because yes. he had told. Yeah. He had told. He had told. Yeah. Like, so that's it. And Orlando yeah. got his ass kicked. Um, so essentially that that's what all that was about. Um, and so, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, this is just, this just bad. It's just, I mean, like, it's, you know, Again, like to to the point of like they're very good at what they do. Talk about the Barksdales. They're very good at what they do in individual pieces, right? But at the end of the day, this is still a bunch of young guys doing young guy stuff. Right. Um, and so uh and then you add on everything on that just you know, wanted violence, no care about human life, excessive drug use, excessive alcohol use, like, da, 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 like all of that. And it was only a matter of time before um, something really bad happened. Um, the kind of the monkey wrench in all of this is D'Angelo because D'Angelo has a conscience the others do not and so um and so 
as you're watching the scene, that just kind of like plays it plays itself out. And then we'll get to the end, and um, and that that'll that that'll 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 ultimately bear 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 itself. So, in one instance, this is a very horrible horrible scene um, with horrible consequences for the for people in the scene and then for people outside the scene in a Barksdale organization as a whole. But you can also look at this as this is the beginning of D'Angelo's own tragic circumstances, right? Because what he saw at this party and how yes. like these yes. this wasn't people in the game per se, right? Like this was it this wasn't a rival drug game. This was people who just didn't care about human life. And that's but that that I think for him was was a very was a very clear distinction. Um, and so, anyways. All right, let me get back to a scene uh, that I mistakenly missed over, uh, skipped over. You have McNulty and Daniels at the end of the, the Damian Price scene. So McNulty and Daniels, McNulty confronts Daniels about letting Damian Price go. And he questions the he questions Daniels, uh, not his authority, but questions uh, Daniels' intentions. And basically, he basically calls out Daniels saying that you're a shift lieutenant and you are going directly to the deputy ops when your boss is Colonel Foster, who's the older white guy. So you didn't even talk to Colonel Foster. You just went, you just got that, you had that immediate, that pipeline to Burrell. So he says, why is the Burrell, he says, why is the shift lieutenant talking to the deputy ops? What does he, he said, what does he have on you? And this, of course, this sets, um, this sets Daniels off inside. Now Daniels doesn't react outwardly. He all he says, Daniel says he rank. Rank. That's all he has over me. Rank. That's the word I meant. He, uh, I believe he mentioned. Um, but Daniels inside is pissed off because he he's definitely he definitely responded calmer than what he was probably was going on inside. So I didn't want to leave that out. That was that was big uh, from the standpoint of we going back to why is Daniels, what's the mystery behind Daniels being, um, coming up with having all this cash in his uh, account and being, you know, having some skeletons in his closet and in his connection to Burrell. What were your thoughts on, on that exchange? Yeah, McNulty's an asshole. I'm gonna leave it at that. He's an asshole. And Buck lets him know he's an asshole at the end. Like if we want to be just very clear, it's just that simple. It's just that simple. Yep. So you have um, Daniels and Marla, his wife, discussing Burrell, um, this, discussing Burrell about talking about Burrell and talking about giving the money back to Damian Price. Um, his wife uh, mentions that, um, he mentions to his wife that he thinks that Burrell feels like he crossed him. And he, of course, he confides in his wife that he, you know, he was pissed off about McNulty questioning, you know, asking him, you know, about that relationship or the dynamic, the dynamic of the of his relationship with Burrell. Does he have anything on you? She responds like, "What did you say?" And he doesn't doesn't say anything. Just makes a face. Um, you can tie in this scene to. One of the, the epigraphs from about four episodes ago, or not even four episodes ago, maybe even longer than that, 
to where she told him, if you don't, you can't lose if you don't play. That epigraph could be directly tied into that scene, this, this particular scene. Yeah. Um, the, I think the thing that caught my interest on this was um, kind of uh, Daniel's take on, uh, on Burrell. Um, and what, I, what, what I got out of this is I think kind of like the, this, this is the foundational kind of like part of Daniels is just, is just, he's just not comfortable playing a political game. That's, that's what I got, got out of this. It, it just will just not be something that he's ever comfortable with. Um, and to your point, I, I wasn't thinking of it until you said it, but to your point, um, now that I'm thinking about it, uh, you know, that's, you know, maybe that's what Marla was saying to him in specific, like other people could, could play and win, but you can't play and win this game. Um, this is, this is, you just not built for this. Um, yeah, that's a, that's an interesting tie in thinking about, uh, D'Angelo as well. Um, but yeah, and when you said that, that's that's what came to my mind. I'm like, huh? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's she did say that, and I remember us talking about that. Um, and now thinking about uh, what I know about Daniels, even in this, se- even just looking at it this season wise, there have been numerous examples of him just being really, really uncomfortable playing the politics side of all of this, and. McNulty, of course, says that jab at him to be, be like you're trying to be political. Um, and uh, and that's, you know, that's part of the reason Daniels reacts the way that, that he reacts to that. Um, but yeah, so anyway, so yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this, is a, this is an interesting thing because it's more character building, more character set up for Daniels. So we get to Weebay, D'Angelo, Little Man, the party's dead at this point. They, they sent D'Angelo out for some beer. Yeah, the party's dead because they killed a girl. <laughs> yeah, That's they, why the party's dead. That's dead. That, yeah, that, 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 that certainly didn't help. So the party, yeah, the party's dead. Um, D'Angelo comes back with the beer, says, you know, why y'all, y'all send me out and the party's over. They are just chilling on the couch, basically watching Sports Center or whatever. Um, D'Angelo goes in the room, looks at the girl, Realizes the girl is dead. This is the girl that that Weebay took in the room with him, and you know he basically brags, you know, must have fucked the silly, and he tells D'Angelo, not tells him, Weebay, D'Angelo tells Weebay like, yo, gives her a look like, yeah, she's she's gone. And then Weebay gives a look like, what the fuck, like, okay, like whatever. <laughs> basically, like Weebay didn't, Weebay just didn't give a shit that she was that she was gone. D'Angelo had a look on his face like, like what the fuck just happened. Um, what were your thoughts? I mean, I I, I pretty much outlined my thoughts on on this one. Um, just all bad, nothing good, all bad, all bad. There's there's no there's no positive in, pos, there's no deeper meaning in in any of these scenes, um, or any of this scene right there. Uh, we base clearly the villain, the animal, the heartless one. Um, this clearly sets up D'Angelo as this being a uh, 
a clear shift in values for him. And this girl was also for, for, for my audience. This girl was also, was, of course, was one of the girls from the club too. So keep keep that in mind as well. That worked with that worked at Orlando's club. Um, you have Phelan, Kima, McNulty. They have Phelan's uh, in his yeah, his house. No, his office. They're in his office. Uh, so they tell McNulty and uh, Kima tell Phelan about about them letting Price go. Um, and that the wire might get shut down. Um, Phelan asked them how many days that they still have left on uh, the wiretap. They said they were on day 40. The dates the tap was scheduled to be 60 days, I think. It was 60 days, but they were like on day 40. So Phelan goes, just gets into Burrell's ass, basically saying, you, you know, stop fucking with me. I, I, give me you're going to give me my 60 days. You're going to be in contempt of court and say hello to the kids while you're at it to your Arlene, the kids. So he, that was a quick conversation in terms of failing, exuding his authority over uh, Burrell. So the case, so that keeps the wire from getting, keeps the wire from getting shut down. And then he, of course, teases or uh, taunts McNulty with who's your daddy now at the end of that scene. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a, just out checkmate the Burrell. Just just out checkmate them. Um, this was this was a this was this was a this was a judge who had already invested time, effort, and energy into this for a variety of different reasons, um, and so uh, he wasn't going to let it outside authority take down the take down the wire um i think it also is uh telling that it was the judge's decision this one this one didn't lie obviously at the feet of mcnulty even though mcnulty's fingerprints are all over the judge per se um this one the judge they 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 didn't have to convince overstepped. They, they they over, have... No, because Burrell overstepped the judge's authority. And so now the judge was, was reacting to that. Yes. Um, not anything. Again, none of, the, none of anybody's motivations are about actually doing good police work, making the city safer and solving crimes, right? Like this is all political and personal feelings and vendettas and agendas that are fueling what's going on, which is also another thing that will play out through all the seasons of The Wire. McNulty Stringer. Uh, McNulty follows Stringer to a Baltimore community college and realizes he's taking microeconomics uh, classes. I believe the class was called Introduction to Microeconomics. This is, to me, the official, and what you, to piggyback off your point earlier, this, to me, was the official Split, uh, beginning of the split from a uh, from a uh, uh, from a ideological standpoint between Stringer with Stringer and Avon, um, because now Stringer it opens up the door to Stringer to a whole it opens Stringer up to a whole nother world that he seems comfortable that he seems comfortable with, and 
McNulty, of course, was surprised by it. it looked, you know, looked surprised, like, what, you know, what is this? Like, I, I don't know what was going through McNulty's head when he saw it, but he couldn't, certainly could not expect it to see this. But this is Stringer branching out um, on his own mentally, from a stand mentally, the beginning, the beginning of that with this. This is a pivotal scene in the whole entire series uh, of, you know, for especially for the bar shows, this is a very. This is, I can't emphasize how pivotal this scene is. Go ahead. It's it is the obvious. It's the obvious indication of what of of what. It's the tangible indication of what's going on. But if you think about it, you take a character's arc, right? It like the the ideological divide is if Stringer goes to college or not. Nobody cares if he goes to college. He wants to better educate himself. The ideological divide is how we see the drug game or the drug business, right? And like, which, which way should it, should it, should it go? Um, so this is obviously giving us a clue to how Stringer Bell views what the Barksdale or wants to view what the Barksdales do as a business, um, which Avon does not. <laughs> and they'll have that conversation very soon. I also will say there's a scene um, in this season that, that I'm going to tie, tie into this, this scene right here in regards to Stringer. He does something, and I'm going, I'm not gonna say what he does, but he does something um, that ties into the scene. And you, uh, it will, this scene will make more, this, that, this scene will make more sense when you see that, when you see the scene, that's gonna be coming up in this episode, coming up in this, uh, in, later on season one, uh, it will directly tie into this scene. So keep, just put a bookmark next, uh, next to, uh, to this uh, particular scene. Um, we are Daniels, Kima. Um, yeah, Daniels and Kima. Kima confirms McNulty's story uh, about the judge to uh, about the judge to um, Daniels. Of course, um, what I didn't bring up is Daniels was on the phone with um, once the judge once the judge once the judge maintained the order to keep the wire on for, for twenty more days. Daniels was on the phone with McNulty. Of course, McNulty, Daniels is not going to believe McNulty. McNulty says, hey, Kima was there. This, is, this was on the judge. If you want to ask somebody, ask Kima. Kima then confirms the story about the judge to uh, Daniels. Yep, you laid it out. That's straightforward. Herc and Carver, you have Herc and Carver discussing the sergeant's, sergeant's exam. Uh, they take the exam, and clearly Herc is cracking jokes during the exam. Um, clearly, Herc is not taking, a seri taking it, uh, taking this exam seriously. Uh, he makes jokes even, even, uh, even when they were in the detail and they were supposedly studying. Well, one of them was studying. Herc was studying. I mean, Carter was studying. Herc was just, you know, shooting the shit. So that kind, of, that's. I, I think this, that, that's. This is important from the standpoint of where this, this leads those two respective characters down the road, without giving stuff away. Um, any thoughts on this scene? Uh, no, I, I think you nailed it. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, I mean, of course I have thoughts. The, the, just, just building character. I mean, like they'll, they'll be consistent in their character development throughout the series. 
and this is this is the beginning, just the beginning parts of of laying laying down some of those those elements of their character. Stringer and workers in the print shop. So Stringer's in the print shop, and he reprimands his workers. Uh, reprimands his workers, and you can correct me on this. He says to them, "I, you know, basically, I want this run like a business." Basically, fuck all that street street corner shit. I want this run. That's the point. I want this run like a business. He says we have a. He says y'all pretend like we have a last elastic product when we have an inelastic product. So Stringer, right. Stringer, you can't tell Stringer shit right now. Stringer is like a kid who just learned a new word. There you go. Just, just wants to just show everybody that he learned a new word and just just spread like, hey, look what I learned. Or look what I have. So, but this again, this is about this emphasizes the business aspect of what of what Stringer is thinking in, in terms of his philosophy uh, that, that he wants that organization to go into. Because he, he was real emphasized, I don't fuck that street shit, basically. And he, that he put a real emphasis on that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, he started off. I mean, like, I it's <laughs> Stringer, like, when I was watching the scene again, I was looking at how Idris Elba decided to play this scene. I'm going to zoom out a little bit. And, like, wh- when he goes into the elasticity, non-elasticity, whatever, um, uh, you can see him pause at the very beginning, and Idris plays it as, like, I don't know how this is going to come off, but I'm going to use these this word and just try to like fill it out. And of course, he gets no no uh, feedback from from. Right, the they crew. don't know what shit means. No, they no, know. he doesn't know what it means. To be honest with you, he just learned it. Like that's what to your point, what you're yeah. saying. Like it's like you just got this language. Like no, you don't know what this means. You just read it in a book. Um, and he just plays it like that. If you watch, there's no confidence. Stringer doesn't say this with any confidence. No. Um, and so, so it always, like, when I think about it like this, it kind of like reminds me of like, uh, when I would play Madden against my younger brother, A, he was younger than me and B, he didn't even really like sports games. So I would beat the hell out of him and I feel really good and feel really confident. Um, and then, and then you play somebody who actually plays the game and is the same age as you and it's a very different story it's not it's nowhere near as comfortable and so like that to that point stringer is like the the older brother the father figure whatever like shouting down on this on this group and using big words to sound smarter that's how he just plays it you by using this this actually means i am smarter and that's not necessarily true particularly for the business that they're that they're in right yeah because the, these are clearly two street dudes these dudes are not some dudes that you would find working in, in a regular print shop <laughs> say i mean mind. it's yeah the 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 like the thing about the scene that makes it fantastic is the use of those words right is when you juxtapose it with um mcnulty seeing him in community college and now he's going and he's doing all of this like the what he's doing is criminal empire 101 right like you have a front right where you can launder money through that is in that's not something that no one know everybody knows that um in terms of 
of what has been lessons learned over the the history of organized crime and all of its facets in 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 this country and countries around the world and how businesses operate honestly um and so none of that is different and him telling the youngins from the corner don't bring any of that corner stuff here because this business needs to look legitimate isn't different either it's the fact that he pauses and takes that moment to use the words he just learned on these corner boys who not are no aren't thinking business economics right now at the very least that's that's not what's important in their lives right now and so that shows the element of stringer that will be played out as the season and as the series progresses whereas again i'm going to i'm going to say a line that doesn't happen yet but it informs everything avon you know i'm not you're not quite smart enough for them out there not quite hard enough for this right here right so like this is the this is the beginning showings of that and so and so for a while it will be looked upon as a positive but view it from both sides and this is what this scene is 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 trying to get at um that a lot of what Stringer's going to be doing is going to be putting on the facade of intellect when it's not quite that cut and dry. Yes. Um, all right, the big scene. We have Stinkum, Weebe, Omar. Uh, so Weebe and Stinkum are setting up. First of all, Weebe and Stinkum are setting up in the car. They're plotting out how they're gonna. They they are there to take over the territory with Scar and a couple other dudes. So there, Weebe is giving Stinkum directions like, "I'm gonna set up around the block. You you know, if his boy raises up, I'm on him." And he tells you know, tells Stinkum. Stinkum brings up Bird, saying he wish Bird was here for uh, here for this. That Bird you know, Bird be loving this shit. And Weebe tells him that reminds him because of course we remember Bird got caught with the weapon. He tells Stinkum to drop that uh, weapon in the storm, dr storm drain when we're done. Uh, they go set up and Stinkum is walking and next thing you know, Omar comes out of nowhere, blows Stinkum away. He, the other dudes run off. He, um, he then, Omar then shoots Weebe in the leg and Weebe runs behind a car for cover. And then, of course, he gives the famous, one of the famous epigraph lines in wire history. You come at the king, you come at the king, you best not miss, as he's whistling. Uh, before he was, uh, says it, um, says it after he was whistling. And of course, Weebe is wounded in the leg. Um, yeah, so much from this scene. Um, questions for you. How did Omar know where they where they were going to be at? <laughs> I guess that would be my biggest question. Like, how did Omar had it timed perfectly? Yeah, that go um, back, does that go back to Omar's connect, street connections and his eat on the street? Talk about yep, that. Yep. Uh, so the I, in looking at the episode, there's no specific like scene where Omar was privy to what they were doing but omar knows where all 
he knows where all the packages are. Absolutely. That's he has to know that. So he knows that the Barksdale crew is moving in on on Scar. I mean that 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 is that's kind of like well known information at this at that point in time. Um, and so I think like for me, like I connected those those two together, right? Like they're they're reorganizing how these packages are going and what's happening with the packages. That's something Omar is always keeping his eyes on, as well as the streets are talking that uh, that um, Barksdale's crew is moving in on on new territory. Um, so I don't think it's a hard hard uh, leap to get there. But in terms of like if there's any specific scene, there was no specific scene in this episode that, that, that alludes to that. And then I think on the, also where I was going to go, it doesn't, it doesn't actually matter. Um, because this was setting, this is the, this is Omar, the legend right here. Like this, this is, this is, this cements kind of like that next level. Um, there's a variety of different thoughts of Omar up until this point in time um, in terms of like what he's doing and why he's doing things. And there's like little, little pieces that are, that are shown, but um, you know, this, this one, like you said, you have the, the famous line uh, coming to King, but not miss from him. You have him whistling the farmers in the Dale. You have him outmaneuvering, you know, uh, uh, Barksdale's top, top hit, um, top muscle. Um, and, uh, you know, putting a major, major, uh, uh, cramp in, in Barksdale willing to go up against Barksdale, like you said, with literally no muscle with him, he's just going at it alone. So this, this is, this is in my mind's eye, as I was watching this go down, I was just like, yep, this is, this is the importance of this scene. This kind of like, is like, yep, this is Omar. This is why Omar is Omar. This is the beginning of it. So you have Kima and Freeman uh, here that Stingle's been killed on the wire. Um, yeah, yeah, they hear that. Um, then you have um, anything you want to add to that? Because I thought that was pretty straightforward. Yeah, and, and they say that on, on the wire, Omar did it. So Omar, they, yes, they, they said Omar. They yes, they know. Yes, they know they that Omar. did it. Yeah. Yes. Um, now you have Avon with Weebay, uh, with Weebay Stringer and a bunch of uh, and a bunch of muscle. Avon puts the bounty out on Omar, put the ten thousand dollar bounty out on Omar. He says, and he couple the key couple key things he says, not just our not just our people, anybody that's willing to step up. Um, so he sends he sends them out, sends the muscle, sends a lot of muscle, the majority of the muscle out, with the exception of uh, including Weebay. He tells, well, yes, Weebay, yes, Weebay. Where did he go with that? Say so he went to uh, some uh, went to the hospital, told him he caught a stray, and uh, Weebay says that it was no homicide police, just a roller that that uh, that, that that approached him. So we so then Weebay leaves, and it's just Stringer and Avon. Avon asked Stringer advice on how to deal with the situation. Um, and basically, Stringer tells him, like, look, this thing has gotten personal. We need to, we need to step back and, uh, you know, call, you know, put, put it out there that we're going to call the truce. And then when he pops his head, then we, get, then we hit him. 
Avon, of course, is not really feeling that strategy. Avon said, Avon's like, uh, at first Avon said, let it slide, and then Stringer mentioned the strategy. And then, then at the end, end of that scene, Avon gives a look like, not really feeling that, but I give, he gave a look like, I'm not feeling that, but I get what you're saying. They, that type, they gave that type of look. Um, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I, I'm going to cut out the I get what you're saying. He he gave a look that said, I'm not feeling That's that. It. I'm not feeling Period. that. Period. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like, like, I mean, like, this is, this is, they're laying the, they're laying the breadcrumbs for us. This is, this will be their direct argument for all of season three, right here. That, that scene is season one. This scene is season one. And again, this is why this show is so brilliant. Um, uh because they're 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 just they're laying down they're laying down found a foundation for for epicness later on but this this is the this will be the key this this be the key not only did they build it throughout this episode but they're building it for seasons this is their key disagreement right here um avon's always gonna be like let's chill let's let it play out and then and avon's like damn that let's do this like like Again, business versus the game. The game dictates a certain a certain reaction. Um, Stringer's not thinking that way. He's trying to be. He's anyway. He's not thinking that way. And they they both very well laid out what their thought process are. Because even though Stringer says la da 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 da, da and then when he comes out, we'll do that. As we know, that that's not necessarily his play. That is mainly to chill Avon out. Right. That we that turns when he says when we well, when he comes out we'll hit that. Yeah, 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 that, yeah. that was the point. And that's what that's what Avon is saying. Like, wait, what? Wait, what are you talking about? Um. So, but anyways, the, I mean, it did like all of those the semantics. The the great thing about what this is doing is it's building what we're going to see next from these two. It's not going to pay off by the end of this season. It isn't. No, it isn't. but it was it's 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 building. Like it's you said, building the, towards something. The perfect analogy you said was breadcrumbs. These were the breadcrumbs. Yeah, there was big time in this episode. This one, this was the first episode where you started seeing where you saw those the divide between those two. Yes. Absolutely, without question. Um, so you have uh, Omar McNulty Freeman and Kima down to detail. Omar, of course, denies everything, denies killing Snakeham. Um, they explain to Omar how this fucks up their case uh, from a standpoint that they had Snakeham on a charge, that previous charge before when they called with the four G-packs. Uh, and he basically says they, you know, they basically say, you know, it's getting rid of, it's getting rid of the, uh, is getting rid of the gun, the evidence a part of the game too. And then he, of course he laughs at laughs that off and he says, he said he tells him the game is out there. It's either play or get played. And they yeah, that's that's that is the key line to that whole scene. They want him to, to fall back, of course. They want him to chill. But he says to them, like, look, I got a bounty on they have to, I'm I got a bounty on my head. So And this is just real quick, as you said, just it's no accident that this scene follows directly after the Avon and um and uh 
Stringer Bell conversation. No. Sorry to interrupt. No, no, you're right. No. He said, because he's like, he's like, the game is out there. It's either played or get So he, Omar's saying, like, look, I'm not going to wait. Omar's basically telling them, I'm not waiting for them to shoot me. Like, that's, that's what he's saying. He says, y'all can talk all this fallback shit you want. It sounds good. But I, I, I have a target on my head. And, of course, and in his mind, they started this shit with, with Brandon. So he's like, so he's like, you know, fuck all this fallback shit, basically. That's what he, that's what that's what I that's why I took my interpretation of that when he said when he said the game is out there when he gave him that line, um, and then at the end of the scene there was a little comic relief saying <laughs> with McNulty asking Lester, uh, are we still cops? And Freeman says, uh, technically I suppose, technically I guess. Yeah. What what were your thoughts? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh... So I feel like you can guess where I'm where I'm going. I'm I need to juxtapose those two scenes together. Um, uh-huh. because the reason that that scene in my mind follows is because while they're leaving breadcrumbs for us with Stringer and Avon, Omar says, Omar answers String uh Omar gives the rebuttal Avon. He's he just just switch Avon out there. So if Imagine, um, just take uh, Omar's words and put them in Avon's mouth versus Stringer in there. That's exactly what Avon's response would have been. And we know that because we see it many, many seasons later. Um, so uh, so the, the, the game is the game. The game is still out there. No matter, like, all these things are, are, are we zoom out, these are plot points in, on a board for a season. When you zoom in from the characters' perspectives, these are actions that happen in their lives, but the game is the game. The drug game is the game, and there are rules that dictate it, period. Point blank in the story. It doesn't matter if he killed um, Omar's boy or not. Omar would still have a price tag on his head, and he knows that because he robs drug dealers. That's how he gets his money. They get their money by exploiting people's weaknesses in a variety of different ways with money, with drugs, with violence, with da-da-da, everything like that. And that brings about a reaction from law enforcement and law enforcement conducted in a certain type of way. And so that's what this, the game is the game. No matter who is in these positions, that will ultimately be the thesis statement of season four, the game continues on. It will continue on in this form and fashion. And so, you can talk all that other shit you want, Stringer, but the game is the game. <laughs> Omar, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Y'all can, y'all can build your case and do your fancy wiretaps and everything like that, but the game is the game, and it's still going to move. And I'm in the middle of it, so there's nothing. I can't just chill and lay back. Just like in Avon's mind, he can't just chill and lay back because the streets are watching everything. They do. The police are watching everything they do. They're watching everything they do. So you either play it or you get played. That's also a little bit of an analogy to Daniels and like his the way that he moves yes. in, yeah. and out of, in and out of there. You the player, you get played. Yes. And so, like, yeah, I get you don't like doing politics, but you know, tough shit. That's that's the way this thing works. You you got to you got to do you got to 
do it if you want to move at a certain certain path. And then when you're in, anyways, I, I can go on and on if we're in the meaning of of what that is. But the 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 brilliance of that scene is that Omar is speaking not just for Omar; he's speaking for a number of the characters in the series, particularly when you juxtapose it with Avon not having a retort to Stringer, and then immediately after that, that scene, uh, uh, Omar saying that very specific phrase. No question about it. Um, def- yeah, not, not, not coincidence that those scenes would go back no. to back. No. Um, you have uh, Chardine and D'Angelo back at D'Angelo's place. D'Angelo lies to her about the girl she's messing again. I, I mentioned earlier this girl works works with Chardine at the club, one of Orlando's girls at, at the uh, the gentleman's club. He's, she's of course Chardine's concerned because the girl's missing, has called out, has caught out, hadn't called out, hadn't um, picked up her check. And the D'Angelo said the last time he saw her, he, she was sick, quote unquote. And then he starts confide confiding her about uh, the life and about what's going on, basically saying that I, I don't know if this is for me. You know, people people are using each other, and um, really breaking, really um, letting her in, letting her inside of them. Um, and we we see their connection from the standpoint of she says to him, sounds a little bit like what I do in terms of people using each other. Uh, so they have that moment. Um, and then, of course, she says it's not going to be forever, which basically to me, that was, I, I took that as saying that this relationship is only going to be temporary when she says not forever. Um, and so she, you could have took that in many ways in terms of her career, in terms of their relationship and, and, and amongst other things. Um, what are your thoughts on this scene? Uh, Wallace and D'Angelo are two sides of the exact same coin. Their, yes. their stories are interlocked with each other. When you think Wallace, think D'Angelo. When you think D'Angelo, think Wallace, right? So um, uh, D'Angelo has, so Wallace sees Brandon dead body. He reacts as any normal human being would react, and he feels the ramifications of that as any normal human being will react, but because he's in this abnormal circumstances, his world doesn't give him the time to, to process any of that. And so he takes that and brings it inwards and becomes self-destructive. That's what's going on with, with Wallace. But what he's doing is he's avoiding being out there because he doesn't want any parts of it anymore because of the horror that he saw. So that's Wallace. D'Angelo, um, in a very similar circumstances, sees something horrible and has a natural reaction that any normal human being would happen. There's a dead girl that's laying there. What, the, like, we should do something. Some, we should care about this. And because of the world that he's in, they don't give him time to process that. That's not, that's not the life, type of life that he's leading. And so instead of being self-destructive with drugs, he's becoming very uh uh for his world self-destructive with his mouth um and with the language that he's that he's using um 
which as we know, will will this this exact conversation will lead to a lot of different things. Um, and so, uh, and so, like you just, I can't, you, I can't see Wallace and D'Angelo apart in this episode. Kind of seals that for me because this is the first time we don't have to guess about how D'Angelo is feeling or just follow the tea leaves. He outright says it. He outright says what is horrible about this and that I wish I didn't have to do this or I don't want to do it anymore. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, 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 compar- the comparison between D'Angelo and Wallace is just too, too or lockstep from here on out. Yeah. Or lockstep. Their face yeah. is lockstep. All, yeah. of it, all of it is intertwined. No question about it. And, and also, D'Angelo is a horrible liar. I, I, and I'll just leave it at that uh, from that standpoint. And we'll, 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 get to, we'll get to that um, in, in later episodes. In well, that's why I said you got to think about like what the lie is, though, right? Like, it's, it's, it's one thing if you're lying because of a reason. It's another thing if you hate the thing that you have to lie about, right? If you're uncomfortable about the thing that you have to lie about. So if he's questioning this whole life, how good is any lie going to be about that? Yeah, because, no, you're absolutely right. Because he, so the move for D'Angelo would have been to say, look, I didn't see her at the party. I don't know, like, I didn't even know she was there. To completely separate himself. Right, but then that but makes feels, Angelo like. But he feels guilty. He feels like to your point. What I think he, you're trying to say. He feels guilty, so he tells her. He's a human being. He's a human being. Yes, he yes. feels guilty, and and leading to where his character is going. Right there. He tells yeah. her. Uh, he tells her uh, what he. He tells her enough to think to to what without going all the way, to kind of somewhat clear his own conscience a uh-uh. little. Uh uh-uh. uh uh uh. This 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 he's. In that moment, he's being completely self-reflective. That's what's going on there. Give him 10 minutes more, maybe uh, like the night before, like 10 minutes later, maybe he doesn't say that. Maybe he catches himself and he's like, okay, this is not something to say to anyone else. Keep that on the inside. But he's being self-reflective audibly. And that's the, if there's a mistake, that's the mistake. I don't think it's a mistake. I don't think the writers believe it's a mistake. I think what the big thing that is being stated here is that this is not the life for me. I right. don't want to do these things. Yes. I don't, yes. don't want to be a part of this. I don't want to see these things. I don't want to be around people who can, who can kill a girl and ignore that it happened. Right. Like, that's a horrible, horrible thing. Just like what happened with Brandon was a horrible, horrible thing. But it's the world around them that doesn't allow it to be horrible. Both D'Angelo and um, Wallace are having normal human reactions to what happened. Everything else is the thing that's abnormal. Everybody else's reactions are abnormal. But because the world they're in, those reactions everybody else's reactions are normalized and Wallace and D'Angelo are made to feel like the outsiders. Yes. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I, I, mean, I completely agree with that. I just think that he, I, I, I do think he was trying to clear his conscience a little bit though with, with telling big part of the truth. 
and not the entire year, rather, rather than just outright not even bringing it up. Okay. Um, Bunk McNulty. So Bunk and McNulty tell Cole, uh, one of the officers, who, by the way, was a big part of the production of the show, Robert Colesbury, who, who's in season one and two. He, they tell Cole that they will give him a closed case when they're done their case. Now, the key part of this is the fact that Cole is the investigating officer on the Stinkham killing. They can't um, give him that information that, that Omar was even close to it because as we all know, Omar is, is uh, the number one witness for the Gantt case. So they don't give a fuck about the Gantt case at this point. They're just worried about, well, not they, it's McNulty. Nolte doesn't give a fuck about the Gantt case for the future. He's worried about this case right now with the with the Bark with the uh, in regards to the wire and in regards to the Barksdale. So he gets he gets uh, Bunk to lie to Cole about about Omar having no involvement, bringing up no involvement, and saying that let us let us work our case right now. So and then we'll give you the clearance later on, which is complete bullshit because they're not going to they won't give him the clearance. Not going to give him the clearance. They're not able to give him the clearance later on. I'm not telling you anything. You, I'm not saying they. This is what they said and seen, and they know it's bullshit. That's why they felt, you know, guilty and go to the bar later on. Uh, what are your thoughts on this scene? I can't talk about this scene until you get to the end. They're, okay. they're tied, so keep okay. going. Yep, we'll talk about it. Um, yes, no, we right. This is okay. Yep. So we at the bar now with McNulty, and uh, so you have McNulty and Bunk at the bar. McNulty. Um, McNulty lies to Bunk's wife. So, so they they were talking. They they're talking about the case, of course. And Bunk basically says, "I will carry it. I'll carry the case." McNulty's, you know, feeling somewhat, I guess, guilty for him. They offers to pay, you know, for his drinks or whatever. I don't think he was feeling guilty. He just, hey, let me. It's on me. You know, round these rounds are on me tonight. Bunk says he'll carry the lie. He'll carry it. He'll, he'll carry it. You know, Bunk has already lied. He took. Uh, Cole into you know the office and you know and lied to him and whatever so he's carried he he carried out with what McNulty wanted to do. So then McNulty um Bunk spots a woman at the bar that he that, that he wants to hook up with. He tells McNulty to uh call his wife to tell her tell him tell her that he caught one so he can hook up hook up with this chick at the with this lady at the bar. Um and 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 I'm just in terms of what happened later on, we assume assume that McNulty made that McNulty made that call. Um, then he says McNulty tells when McNulty has a nerve to, to even push back. He says, "Like motherfucker, I lied for you. <laughs> you can't do me this little favor." So um, go ahead. Mm, gotta keep going. They all like these three scenes are are linked to each other. Well, the, the next scene, the next scene yep. is the Freeman. You want to talk about the Freeman Kima? Oh. Yeah, I was thinking of the very, the very end. Yeah, let's let's do the Keeman because right. I can talk about that. Yeah. So Freeman and Keema are discussing uh, police instincts. Now, right. Freeman, Freeman has uh, a list of girls that um, from Orlando's club that he thinks he can turn. Even before they get to that part, Keema confides into Freeman that she might have fucked up in regards to. Um, uh, her discussion, her her conversation um, with Omar in regard in a couple, couple episodes back when they were when they were talking about Omar talking with Omar about the Gantt case, he says that 
um, she says that um, she knows you know, Omar, Omar, you know, said that he would be the eyewitness. Uh, but he got, but she, she knows, she knows that Omar's lying. That's, that's the overall thing. That's, that's the big point of it. Big point to this, to that point. She knows that Omar was lying about being the eyeball witness, but Freeman tells her like, eh, you fucked up a little bit, but the gun did come up with, in terms of, uh, in terms of bird and he's locked up. Um, he tells her, you know, you still need to, you still need to trust your instincts. Now they get to the girls. It's a number, it's about four girls. One of them, of course, is Chardine. He asked her, he asked Kima, which one of these girls would you turn? She points out Chardine. He says, why? He says, I like her face. He says something in the eyes. So he basically is schooling her on, you know, she's giving her, you know, the episode's called Lessons. He basically giving her a lesson on police, about police instincts and also the art of interrogation. He says interrogation is much art, as is an art, is an art as much as it is anything. Um, so that, again, that, and of course, this will lead to things that are going to happen with, in regards to Charlene, uh, as they going to try, as they, uh, as she points out that Charlene is the one that she would try to flip. What, what were your thoughts? Yeah, Oof, there's a lot going on in this scene. Um, and, and part of me is like, am I reading too much into one part? So the nuts and bolts, what you said and what it means, that's, that is absolutely correct. It's it's showing Freeman's being a mentor to Kima. Right. And there's a big there's a big part of it. It's very, the very beginning of that scene where he's talking to her about um what like uh, interrogation is like a um is more of an instinctual thing. Um first and then he pulls out the pictures for her and then that's like a kind of like a you know uh, the master saying to the apprentice, you know, now show me how you would use use this this skill, or or give me an idea of what what you would think. And so then they go on and that everything like that. That also sets up the importance of what Chardin is going to play in the in the rest of, in the rest of this season. So all those pieces are are there and are pretty self explanatory as you did. But I caught something um, this time. And this is what I mean by I can't tell if I'm reading too much into it because I know the ultimate fate of characters in season five. Um, this time I'm looking at it and Kima is consistent with her character and the character she, as she's shown up from now to the very end of the series. She'll be consistent there. She is, this is her clearing, this is an example of her clearing her conscience and just saying the thing like, oh man, I think I tipped our hand in that. What should I do, mentor, um, about this? Now, Freeman, if we think about how he ends up, then he gives a very consistent answer. But it's not the best mentor answer possible because it's not by the book. What he tells her is the ends justify the means, essentially. Eh, we got the gun and everything. Like, nah, 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 that was wrong. <laughs> you didn't handle it right. The ends justify the means. Now let's practice this skill on reading people's eyes. Um, so I, I, I don't, I like, so I, when I was looking at this, I'm like, I'm like, it will be consistent with what I know happens to Lester Freeman, but I don't know if it's a consistent character-based character description of Lester throughout the series 
So I don't know if they're leaving breadcrumbs or if they're putting the seeds in there for Lester's ultimate demise in this in this scene, or if I'm reading too much into it because I know what happens to Lester at the very end of the show. What I did notice more this time was Lester's reaction to Kima's question. Kima was coming from a very honest place and a very like, I did not do, I'm not sure if I did this right, what should I do? And Lester did not give the prototypical, this is by the book, which we know Lester doesn't necessarily operate, operate by. Um, but everything that you said in terms of setting up the structure of what is to come, this scene accomplishes. Damn, wow. Because so, I just thought, I just fast forward to season five. Yeah. Um, no, I don't think that you're, I, I, I don't think that you're looking too far ahead. I don't think that that's reaching. I think that this show oftentimes foreshadows not only from episode to episode, it can foreshadow season to season. It can, it can foreshadow. This show, this show foreshadowing is, 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 is just a major part of what this show is going to do. So what I just thought about as you were speaking was Freeman is like, you know, I don't do everything by the book because we achieve what we set out to do. That's what that, that's what should have spoke to you in this. That I'm not, I, I'm not this. I, I, I have this intent. I have this Jedi mindset, forward thinking. This, you know, attention to detail. We know this from Freeman. We know Freeman. Freeman is is the best detective on this show. Okay, but that to me, that to me, that scene showed that he would, if necessary be uh, a candidate to cut some corners. So I don't, I actually don't think that's a reach at all considering what, what ends up happening between, with, with, you know, with Freeman and yep. Yes, yep. absolutely, yep. no, absolutely not. I would never, I did I would not have thought about that until, until you just said it. I, I did not see that part of it. Didn't even think, think to that part of it because I was kind of uh, focusing on, you know, Charlene. Yep, and they they, they set all that all of that. Like I said, they set up the seat. They set all of that is set up. That that is absolutely there. But I really focused in on that this time. Yeah, no, I I, I completely agree with. That. I could I could definitely see that see that being a setup for the for the seasons for moving way forward. Yep. Um. So yes, all right. We get to the final scene. You have Bunk and McNulty. So the lady calls McNulty. Uh, late, late, and early in the morning, what have you? He goes to her house and finds out that, uh, you know, of course, Bunk and Lay have had sex. He, he, and he's setting off. She, he claims, she claims that he's setting off the fire alarm. He, he goes into the room, the uh, bathroom, and Bunk, Bunk is burnt, burning clothes. Bunk has burnt his clothes. He's in a bathroom with a tie on and his boxers, smoking a cigar. He's burnt. All of his clothes, his pants, his suit jacket, um, a bunch of stuff. And um, they're going back and forth with McNulty talking about this is, uh, I, I need to burn all this evidence, the DNA and fibers and all this shit. Bunk, Bunk, of course, is drunk out of his mind as well. And um, he takes Bunk, takes Bunk home. 
back to uh, McNulty's house, and he lay, I guess he lays in one of one of the kids' bunk beds, and Bunk tells him, uh, "You're no good for people," and that's how the episode that that's how uh, the episode ends. No, McNulty looks at him and closes the door. Yeah, looks at him and closes the door. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm getting back to my friendship, my friendship deep dive last week. There you go. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, no, I was going to give you all the credit in the world. And I actually, I remembered this. So I, that's why I didn't speak so much on it last week. Like I, I do, I remembered this um, scene coming up. Um, and I was like, he's, he's right. He's right on it. Um, and then he'll, he'll have the evidence next week to, to really knock it out the park. Um, so a uh, couple things come to, my, come to my mind. Like, that's why I said, like, the three, like, I can't break down any of these three, these three parts, right? So let's, now we got to go back to the initial um, Nolte coming in and saying, I've, I've made my uh, thoughts and ideas on McNulty very clear, and I think they're consistent with his character over the series, and I think they're, it's very consistent with what the writers want us to know about McNulty. Nolte is a manipulative son of a bitch and it's never ever ever more clear in this season than now when he goes to to Bunk. Bunk although very morally ambiguous in a lot of different places in terms of the law he's very black and white. This is right this is wrong. McNulty's the one who schemes and plans goes behind people's backs and lies and does all this stuff that's not Bunk at all that is not him and how he handles his his uh, uh, professional life. And so this is a huge ask of him. Um, and, uh, and McNulty makes, makes the ask. Um, and, uh, and leverages his mentorship, his friendship with, with Bunk to do it. Bunk's a grown man. He does, he does what is, what is asked for. So I'm not, not, not taking responsibility off of him. And so then we get to the next thing, scene of them at the at the bar. Now, um, there's a variety of reasons why people go out and drink. One of the reasons is when um, they feel really horrible about something and they want to drown it. And so McNulty saying, All right, I'm gone. This is the money I was going to spend on you already sets, lets you know that this wasn't like a partner, like I'm going out to buy you drinks for doing me a favor and we're going to like cheers each other. Hey, we got one over on Bob Cole. We're all going to laugh. He knows how much, how bad this is stinging Bunk and Bunk is letting him know and McNulty's uncomfortable with it. He, if he's going to let Bunk, if he's going to let Bunk handle it, he's going to let Bunk handle it. He's going to let him carry it. Um, uh, this is not something you could be a part of because Bunk, would probably not enjoy McNulty being there and carrying on, and that might bring up some friction. That being said, that's how we know. McNulty's like, here's the money I would have spent. I'm out of here. Um, people cheat and go out and, and have sex with strangers for a variety of reasons. One of the reasons is because they feel really guilty and horrible about something. Um, and so in that scene, in that setup, that's what you see with with bunk and then at the very end with bunk burning the clothes and everything like that like that entire scene is played for laughs but there's a common theme in the wire whenever a scene is played for laughs it's a 
deeper meaning fucking vital importance yes like like it is like like laugh at it and then analyze it yes um because it's it's very meaningful and so all that is played for laughs but it's not funny at all this is a man who's internally in pain and crisis because he did something that is against the nature of his character his code. Bunk, his code. Bunk would exactly. Bunk would never, ever, ever shit on another policeman. No. He would never do no. that under no. any normal circumstances. And that is what, in that saying, what he means to me. No, to, no, to you're no good for people. You're making me do something I would never, ever do under any normal circumstance, which then jumps back to your point from last week of how horrible they are for each other because, um, because Bunk is like a mentor to McNulty and a good friend to McNulty, he does it. He does it just sheerly based off of their their relationship, but in direct contradiction to his own personal codes and values, which sets off a chain of self-destructive behaviors in Bunk to try to to try to overcome this one favor that McNulty asked for asked him. Bunk also the what's also laced in that statement of you're you're no good for people is that you knew this about me. Yes. You knew how hard I was gonna take this. And yep. yet you asked me anyway. You did yep. not give a shit. Your yep. case means everything to you, not how I would handle handle this. Um so yeah, yeah. Very deep, very meaningful, plays exactly into what you were talking about last week. And similar to our last scene with Kima and Freeman in terms of foreshadowing, this foreshadows season five as well in terms of Bunk. Bunk will never, ever do anything like this for McNulty again. Bam. Bam. Yup. This, this, yeah, this very is a direct correlation between this and what happens at, uh, in season five. Yep. So he, so Bunk does this for him. He carries it. Um, and, uh, and, Basically, and Bunk just lets him know, hey man, hell, you just you're, you're just no good for people. I mean, you think think about how, think about think about that statement. You're no good for people. Yep. You know, um, one last thing in regards to uh, seeing um, Omar also. I forgot to mention Omar was casing the uh, Orlando's Gentlemen's Club as well. So that's something to file away as well. So he's he's. Like he like he told him before. He's on the hunt. He's on the hunt. He's on the hunt. He's casing. He's they they're tracking him. And he's tracking them. So he's he's casing them. They show him smoking cigarettes uh, behind, and he watches some people come out uh, the gentleman's club. Um, so that don't forget about uh, don't forget about that scene uh, from that standpoint. Uh, MVP. Omar. Omar. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that yeah, yeah, yeah. He seals his legend status. In this <laughs> yeah, nah, he yeah, yeah. But the epigraph, yep. his casing his skills, is just being ahead of just playing chess, um, and just you know, just his over is how he carries himself, and just again his. The thing about the Omar character, um, that a lot of people don't know. If you're a wire, you're a wirehead like us two. You of course know this. Over the five seasons, he was not in a lot of scenes. He was not in a lot of scenes. When you really look at it, look at it, when he's in a scene, he makes it count. It can like he count his scenes count probably 
double or triple of some of the other actors as far as what as far as as far as the ramifications of it and, and also what he what he says like for example you could you could juxtapose it to herc right herc's in a ton of scenes right. throughout yeah. the series yes but every time herc is on screen it's not going to be a meaningful moment no whenever omar's on scene it's a meaningful yes. moment it just absolutely. is absolutely no no question about it like when he's when he makes that statement the game is out here either played or get played we could tie that into so many things not only in the course of this episode but throughout the course of the series like that that is a real that that statement could be could be an epigraph we were talking about other epigraphs that easily could be an epigraph and yeah. honestly this is the season since they're kind of like setting that up for omar like this is actually the season where i would say he he was the least impactful but of course his least impactful was like amazingly impactful but at, especially i mean like it it just after this like i said this is legend this is the cement for legendary every every single everything he does is everything it means everything it just there's 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 no coming back at this point in time like omar's a monster he's just a monster yeah a couple a couple other things um moving forward from episodes 9 to 13 this thing is is going to be the pace is pick it's going to pick up like yeah. it's, it's go at this point at this point it's go time at yeah. this point because now what you're going to start to see as we continue to do these episodes is you're going to start to see payoffs you're going to start to see payoffs to, to things that happened in previous episodes and making those type of connections. Not going to give all the payoffs because you, you still have, we still have four seasons left, but you're going to start, things are going to move quicker. And then you like you, you're going to have, the wire is always going to have setups. That's, that's they, the they're going to pay off everything they set up for this season. Yes. These are the payoffs for this season. They will set, they will pay off everything that they set up for this season while simultaneously setting up the big structures for the next coming seasons. Yes, well. absolutely. The lady, and, and a fact that I did not know about this episode, the lady that slept with Bunk, she plays uh, a Randy's mom in season four. Did not know that. Wow, I didn't know that either. I did not know wow, that. nice. I didn't know that, yes. That, wow. that, that was a... That was, that was, I was like, whoa. And then I looked at it, I was like, yeah, that was her. I was like, that was her. Then I, when I read I it. didn't know that. Like, yeah. No, and, we'll say, they, and they they did that at times, that they, they would do that with this show where you would see characters in early seasons who... Yeah, sure. Who, who also, all shows, lots of shows do that. That's, just, that's a great fact. Yeah. So... Didn't know that. I just didn't. I never paid attention. Um, moving forward again, these those episodes 9 through 13, the last five episodes will be, will be paying off without question um without question and we'll get we'll get introduced some new characters some new key characters uh, and uh we'll we'll continue on uh, i think we covered everything all right stay safe stay healthy absolutely and enjoy the season finale of the jordan documentary yes, sir we'll <laughs> talk it. about it later <laughs> we will we'll have plenty we'll have plenty to say on that all right robert sap take us take us be easy man have a good one That's going to wrap up this edition of the Real Deal Podcast, The Wire Remix. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Um, as always, uh, you can check out this episode on iTunes, Stitcher, and, and various other podcasts.
podcast platforms, I will have this up as soon as possible um, for my for my viewing audience. I'm out.